You're listening to the Black Eagles podcast. Everybody, to episode 243 of the Black Eagles podcast. That's right, it's a lot of episodes, and I am, of course, your host, Sinan Schroding. Yeah, a little more applause. Why not? Back again, live from New York City, where late summer, you know, has arrived. The weather, you know, still hot, but quite lovely. Just as things tend to be for Besiktas of late. Certainly going into this match, that was the case. Without getting ahead of myself, without going into any spoilers. Uh, well, yeah, we'll have to talk about this match a little bit. Of course, by this match, I'm speaking of our home match against Sivas or Sivas Spor, more specifically. Our second home game in a row, which is kind of fun in a way, right? Good timing for that. Also good timing as far as Sivas's form. It could probably be argued, but we'll get into that momentarily. Uh, but of course we have a little news to talk about. Not much, but some. Some of it good, I would argue. And uh, yeah, you know, obviously the big match. You know, and we'll go into sort of some other results around the league, the standings, you know, all of the usual stuff. So without any further ado, let us dig in. Operation is in effect as of right now. That's right. So, where do we go from here? Uh, let's first, I suppose, talk about the news. And obviously the big news, I mean, you guys are getting tired of my voice, I I suspect, you folks, rather. Um, Been here a lot lately, right? Lots of match episodes, of course, but then the big Dele Ali episode that we did last week. If you haven't heard it, do check it out with Khan interviewing a host of guests, special guests, uh, very knowledgeable guests regarding... Tottenham, Everton, the Premier League in general, you know, all, all things Dele Ali, if you will. But so that's locked up, and we got, of course, uh, the young central midfielder Kerem Atakan Keskin as well from uh, Sivas, who, of course, would be playing right after, so that's a fun little detail. So that covers our need in the center of our midfield, certainly, as far as depth. Certainly without Joseph and Atiba out there, and once Joseph and Atiba are back in, it's going to be great, honestly. You know, where we do lack depth, right? I, I guess I, it's not much of a spoiler to say that we brought in Berkay Vardar, right? Into this Sivas match. Uh, 
didn't go particularly well. I'll, I'll just say that, honestly. He might not be ready for first team football with us. So that's fine, it doesn't matter. Joseph will be back very shortly. And it's good to have a guy like that for, for that type of depth, for when an injury like that does occur. Not to mention Atiba, right? Atiba will be back as well. But I, have, I must say that Jedson has been exceptional in that role behind the midfield and just like shoring things up, linking defense to midfield to attack, um, just doing dirty work all around the back of the pitch, in the middle of the pitch, even up, fr up top front a little bit, you know. So um, it's going to be an interesting conundrum, I suppose we could say. But what really like needs to be addressed, like a, a lot of the things that people are complaining about are, it's silly to complain about, these are fantastic problems to have that we have too many guys to play, right? It's great. It's fantastic, like, you know, theoretically you could slide like Dele Alli out to wings on occasion. I mean, there's so many options we have, right? Like, I, I was personally freaking out about the lack of depth on the wing, right? It, it, it sort of, it's been creeping up on us a little bit. But then you forget, like, Rashid Gazelle will be back. And then we're going to have the opposite problem. Where it's like, how, where are we going to fit Jackson Muleka in, you know? So, with all of that said, like, we don't really have too many problems. Except, I think, certainly, for the big one. Which is that we don't have a Turkish central defender. And that's like a, that's a must-have, right? We know we're playing Ersin in the goal. Uh, and the late, so supposedly Ajax is coming in for him. Like, there's a rumored nine million fee. You know, we'll see about all that. We've uh, we've had our hopes elevated unnecessarily, I guess we could say, on a few occasions about these types of things. But we won't get ahead of ourselves. That said, supposedly he may also have already extended his contract for three years. Should the Ajax deal not go through, so good news all around. As far as that goes, uh, it's, so he's the one guaranteed Turk, no doubt. Also, the guy on the back line, and thus far it's been Nejip. And to his credit, you know, I've been a big Nejip trash talker in my day. He's been exceptional. He really has. Also, without you know, I don't think it's a bad spoiler to say he was exceptional against Sebas as well. I often wonder if he had just come out as a central defender from day one. Maybe his perception would be entirely different. And frankly, maybe he would have developed more in that position and actually become more than like usable there. But in fact, you know, as talented as everyone hoped he would be in other facets of his game. But so anyway, that's the big hole, right? We know we have Erickson in the back and we know that something like Sally Uchan or Umut Medash or uh, a Turkish winger perhaps. Of course, there is currently Emirhan Delibash there. Uh, certainly, I don't think Kanan Karaman is an option. Uh, that would be further proven in the Sivas match. But so, um, you know, right now, Sally Uchan's playing at a high enough level that he kind of has to be looked at as the de facto third Turk. But, you know, we could strengthen with the, with the Turkish winger, or who knows? You know, that remains a mystery. Uh, we have uh, this new kid, Keskin, as well, from 
Sivak, right? So that he could potentially be good enough that he he commands some of that Sali starting time or whatever whatever it is. I mean, with Dele Ali there, it, it sort of raises some interesting questions, no doubt. There's of course also Jenk Tosin who can start occasionally instead of Veghorst. I mean, it, it, to me honestly, I think rotation will be the key because all of these guys are guys that ultimately need to play a bit, even Jenk Tosin, right? So. Um, you know, it's a, again, these are good problems to have. It's good to have so many guys that you kind of have to rotate them and like keep them all relatively fresh. That's a, a lovely problem to have. But the bad one is having to start Nejib definitively as a central defender. Because while he's been quite serviceable, I don't think any of, any of us is like keen to, to sort of keep him there. But so there is news. Um... Sergeant Dikme brought up Koray Gunter as a guy who has been um, back in the, the fold, back in the news cycle. That would obviously address a huge need. But then Murat Uzen came in today with some more details saying Besiktas turned to a long desired player in the transfer of a stopper. Bids have been revised and made. I will not name names. There were others who wanted it. I hope. It will happen, I suppose. We're following the news. Uh, again, it'll be a, a loan with an option to buy. The domestic rule also becomes important, right? So he's being vague. Again, I think he's probably piggybacking off of the Sarah John Dickman thing, which he tends to do of late. That said, he seems to suggest it's another, the other option, right? So which I, I think is Khan Ihan. So there, again, Koray Gunter, Khan Ihan, I've said from the beginning, either one would be an asset, I think, uh, an upgrade over Nejib, at least, and um, very helpful as far as the Turkish limit that, you know, again, we need those three Turks out there, so it shouldn't be, uh, that should be a priority, rather. Now, it's worth noting, Koray Gunter is 28, he just turned 28. Literally, in August, he just turned 28. Khan Ihan is 27, but he will be turning 28 in November. So they're basically the same age. So nobody should be too, <coughs> excuse me, nobody should be too concerned by either, either age as far as one or the other, because they're the same. 28, which is okay, right? It's not like there's, that means there's a good five more serviceable years or more at the back line. If, uh, if they really settle in uh, and, and they're old enough that like you don't have to worry about resale or them maybe potentially leaving they could in theory again and it would, it would mean things going well for them with the club but they could close out their careers with us at 28 you know play the last five six seven years with it um, so that's that's some wishful thinking perhaps but so either one uh, that applies to no doubt with both of them being the same age so that's the big news, right? That's really like our last remaining need at this point beyond uh, the the wing, which I've mentioned before, right? We're gonna have Gazelle back and we're gonna have to figure out what to do with Jackson Muleka. But um, or, you know, he could play over Nkudu. Obviously we might have to try him more on the left wing. I think Nkudu's form raises questions regarding that. But on the other hand, we all know how injury prone he is and how it, it's probably safer to have him slotted in as a super sub you know, rather than 
a de facto answer. But so, you know, either way, with Gazal back even, we still lack the fourth wing. Um, right? We have a backup, in, whether it's Nkudu or Muleka. Uh, Nkudu is sort of restricted to the left side for the most part, whereas Muleka has proven, you know, he's shown strength on the right. We actually have to see him perform on the left still, but I don't think it's a stretch to imagine it happening. But so, the biggest option we've heard, and the only really one that we've sort of been hearing about, is Siriki Dembele, who's actually somehow Scottish, but he plays for Burnmouth in England, in the Premier League. Uh, he's sort of technically a winger slash striker type of option. Fine. Whatever, he, you know, he came up through Dundee, United, uh, in Scotland. So that would certainly, uh, you know, he, he is Scottish. He's, uh, in this day and age, right? A name like Siriki Dembele shouldn't mean otherwise. I, I apologize for being so surprised. Anyway, let's move things on. Um, the other big news, like we played the final match of the week which is always kind of fun. Uh, but what that means is that we got to see everyone else play. So it started with Friday, uh, Gaziantep having just a giant victory against Antalya. Uh, Antalya had, I think, drawn level at 2-2 two two, and then they just ran away with it. Gaziantep winning 5-2. Um, so they're at the top of the table of late. Uh, then on Saturday, we saw Adana Demir beat Umranie, but like uh, Bailotelli fighting it out with Montella, their coach. So some drama over there in Adana. Pati Karagumner destroyed Ankaraguju 4 to 1. So um, congrats to Pirlo, right? <laughs> also, Istanbulspor beat Alanya. And it's worth noting that Istanbulspor has shown themselves to be a lot better than I think anyone anticipated. Uh, but then Sunday, we saw, of course, the pit between Trabzon and Galatasaray. It ended nil nil. Kind of a, a relatively uneventful match. Galatasaray ended up with the better chances. Uh, Kerem, Harry Potter, Atsurkolu uh, screwed up a huge chance that was gifted to him, as did Dries Martin uh, earlier than that. But so, uh, yeah, didn't go according to plan for either side. Nil-nil was the final result. And so finally on Monday, yesterday... Uh, or August 29th, for for those listening after today. We would see Konya defeat Fenerbahce. After going a man down, they scored Muhammad Demir in the 65th. Then uh, it would um, level out and both be down to 10 men. Not much later. Uh, but so, yeah, difficult W for Konya, but they got it over Fener. And they needed that. They were they started out quite poorly, for, for sure. Which so all of that meant that like we were in an interesting position. If we were victorious by like basically two goals or more, we would be sole possessors of the first place mantle. Granted, four matches into the season, but we might as well set the standard, right? So let's talk about what happened in this. Uh, so first of all, lineups. Ersin Destanozu in goal. 
Nejif Uysal and Romain Saiz on the back line with Arthur Maswaku and Valentin Rosier on the, on the wings of the defense. Sali Uchan and Jetson Fernandes in the back of our midfield with Dele Ali coming right into the lineup ahead of them. Jackson Muleka starting on the right side of our midfield and Georges Cavan Nkudu on the left with Vout Veghorst up top. Pretty much our strongest lineup right now without Joseph available and without a better option at right, uh, right central back. We'll have to have that resolved eventually. Um, on our bench, why not, right? Berkai Vardar, Umut Medash, Kenan Karaman, Kerem Keskin, or Kerem Ata, Atakan Keskin, Jenk Tosun, Emre Bilgin, Francisco Montero, uh, Emre Jan Uzunhan, Wellington, and Ozan Akun. Atiba and Joseph listed as injured, though we know Gazal is injured and uh, hopefully, you know, coming back very soon. Um, the fact that he wasn't as injured as injured is actually quite good in that sense. Uh, yeah, and I just thought that was our strongest lineup, and I forgot that like, Gazal wasn't even in it. Muleka would, uh, would do well without giving anything away. Let's talk about this match. First of all, in the seventh minute, Arthur Masuaku uh, showing our intent, sending a nice cross in from deep, finding Jackson Muleka, both he and Veghorst were sort of ready for it, I think you could say. And uh, Muleka was in the right position and has it just wide, but you know, early intent, you like to see it. And sure enough, just four minutes later, Kudu to Veghorst, um, Kudu bringing it up along the left side, finds Veghorst with a neat little pass, and Veghorst just a classy, like a super classy back heel into the path of Muleka, who like dives and puts it away, like rushing in, feet first dive kind of, a kick dive if you will, but yeah, it was fantastic. It was absolutely an epic way to begin the match. And I think we were all quite happy with how things had gone, for the most part. But for anyone especially demanding, they would be satisfied too. Uh, not much later, just <clears throat> 17 minutes later, in fact, it would be uh, Dele Ali losing uh, a ball in the air, but dropping to Jedson, who would cleverly head it right into the path of Veghorst, who would then almost even more cleverly then uh, like kind of volley pass, side-footed into the path of Valentin Rosier, who would dribble with it sort of quickly uh, down the right side and then just perfectly place it into the path of Vout Veghorst, who would head it in solidly into the back of the net high. Two to nil. Besiktas has seized command of this match and is playing just absolutely beautiful football at this point. I don't think anybody would disagree. 39th minute, Erdogan Yeshil Yurt gets himself a yellow card. I didn't do their lineup. It's all right. Who cares? Uh, Erdogan Yeshil Yurt gets himself a yellow card. 
um, giving a free kick to Sally Uchan from pretty deep, but that wouldn't dissuade him from giving it a go, and he would put on a lovely shot on target perfectly, forcing a diving save from Shashal Bural, a guy many will recognize who followed the Turkish League over the years. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely, I think, worth noting he had a really good game. He made a, a huge number of saves, seven by the end of the match. So despite allowing these goals here, you know, I don't think he should hang his head too low. But yeah, sure enough, uh, a lovely shot from Saliuchan, saved well, giving us a corner kick. Masuaku would take it from the left side, and it would fall perfectly into the path of Jackson Muleka, the Democratic Republic of Congo connection between the two of them. Both Masuaku and Muleka play for the national side of Congo and connect there with the assist and the goal. Muleka is second of the match. I said this a long time ago. I said Jackson Muleka is probably going to low-key be the big signing that, like, even while others gain plaudits and bigger names kind of, you know, reestablish their careers, and hopefully, right, all of that stuff, hopefully we're winning and all that, but I think the kind of engine behind it all will be Jackson Muleka being a consistent contributor when other guys maybe aren't quite stepping up. Sure enough, two goals here. Uh, and that would be it, going to the half. Um, I guess, by the way, it's worth mentioning that, that Muleka, I don't know if it was really his head or his chest that he used to drive into the back It didn't matter, because the result was the same. Uh, but yeah, there would be one last opportunity for, I think it was Leke James, the 29-year-old Nigerian striker who started for them. Uh, but he handed it down obviously illegally into the path gets a shot off Erson makes a fantastic save scrambling across the goal line and it wouldn't count because it was a handball to set up the shot but I felt like it was worth mentioning that Erson did make this fantastic save that you know, didn't count statistically uh, but that would be it for the half um, and going into the second half we would get some subs Akan Arslan, a name many will recognize, in for Charilaus Charisis, the Greek Sivas player. Robin Yalchin would enter the game for Kader Keita. And Aaron Apindangoye would enter for Janer Osman Pasha. Um, and in the 52nd minute, their first real chance, it would be Max Alain Gradel. I think that's his name. Gradel. He would take a shot that he could have probably done better with, sends it wide. Their first real highlight of the match though, it's probably worth mentioning besides the handball that led to the goal, or not goal, the save by Erson. But so yeah, Gradel sends it wide, Berkay Varda would enter the match for Sali Uchan. And that would be kind of a turning point for us because Berkay was clumsy and not particularly good. His pass, his passing was really off in this one. Um, Clinton Ngie would enter the match for Leke James in the 61st minute. Umut Merash and Kanan Karaman entering the match for Arthur Masuaku and Jackson Muleka in the 62nd. And in the 66th minute on a counter, Valentin Rosier would 
with quite a bit of energy behind him bring the ball upfield and force a lovely save from Shashal Buda on a one-on-one, -on -one. but he created himself off the counter and really, you know, this second half, Valentin Lozia really showed a kind of spark that you love to see, you really love to see. You know, perhaps the uh, the increased attention that getting guys like Dele Ali and Vaud Weghorst and stuff, you know, the, the media attention, I mean, is the type of thing that Valentin Lozier was hoping to thrive on, right? He, he wanted to make the French national team and, and stuff like that. So um, it's a good turn for him. And this, this season, he's been fantastic. You know, for anyone who was kind of concerned about last season, which I, I never was, um, he's come out, you know, fantastically so far. Anyway, 73rd minute, a sub. Dia Saba is really coming on for... Frederick Ulvestad. And Diasaba was a guy I had never heard of until this match, I'm not gonna lie. Um, we try to see what we can gather about him. Mean, we know he's Israeli, he's a 29 year old right midfielder. But so yeah, he would enter the match in the 73rd. As well as, uh, no, sorry, five minutes later in the 78th, Jenk Tosin would come on for Vaut Veghorst, and Kerem Atakan Keskin would come on for Dele Ali. So, uh, if, if Valentin Rosier has learned a lesson here, which it seems he has, it's that he needs to be more active in uh, keeping guys fresh, right? He's his system requires them running around a lot and pressing constantly, and so they do tend to get tired around the sixth minute, 60th minute. So it was good to see him react this time, kind of beforehand, and make some moves. Sadly, of course, the Barakai move didn't pan out, but I commend the, the thought, right? You also like commend him being capable of playing academy players. Again, this might not be the one, but it's all right. Uh, also, Kedem Keskin, right? This kid's 21 as well. So we're, we're having a guy who shows the ability to play younger kid, which is always a plus, considering where we've been. And speaking of that kid, Keskin would make a lovely pass to Valentin Rosier in space, whose first touch was a little lacking, and so he wouldn't bring himself into a one-on-one -on -one like I think he might have been able to. And the end, Uruchivchi cut it out well for, for Sivas in that scenario. But Valentin Rosier again, like, coming forward and getting active on the counter. And Keskin with some nice passing there. Uh, or Kerem Atakan, or I don't know what, what his name will, will settle on for him. But so, yeah, 83rd minute, a yellow card for Hakan Arslan. Not a lot of cards in this match, which, frankly, you, you really love to see, considering where we've been as a team thus far. And sure enough, in the 85th minute, they would finally strike. 85th slash 86th. Uh, Agredel finding Dia Saba and Saba sending in a shot that was just, I mean, it was a wonder strike. From a bit of distance, maybe the end of the penalty box, but just tons of power, perfect placement. I don't think um, Erickson had any shot at this. I mean, he's gotten some criticism for it, but I don't, I don't get it personally. <laughs> Uh, but so yeah, sure enough, they score three to one. Too bad we couldn't keep a clean sheet, but it is what it is. 87th minute, Njie would get a chance and send it just wide. 
And that would be the, like, uh-oh. Like, if they made it 8-2 there and scored twice in two minutes, we'd have a lot to fear, I suppose. But in the end, the only real chance remaining would be Nkudu dribbling well, taking it all the way upfield, and then finally uh, taking a shot from a tight angle, forcing another actually quite good save from Shashal Mural, because Nkudu placed it well. But that's how it would end. Three to one end of full time uh, a fantastic performance for Besiktas nobody could argue um, 59% of the ball for a change to their 41 um, the XG that I use apparently is quite like conservative they don't, uh, they don't go up too high but so um, for us the XG was 2.05 for them it was 0.72 which still commanding performance for us. Three to one, sort of just about right. Uh, 18 total shots, 10 on target for us, six with only three on target for them. So commanding performance in that regard, statistically, no doubt. Um, we had two big chances, but didn't miss any. They had one big chance and missed it. Um, I think that would have been either the NGA shot that went wide or perhaps the uh, the Gradel shot at the beginning of the second half. I'm not sure. I'm trying to think about that. In the end, uh, we had 421 accurate passes completed at an 85% rate compared to their 260 completed at an 80% rate. They committed 15 fouls, we committed 13. We were offside twice, they were offside once. We had five corners to their four. So just all around, it sort of suggests that we were the better side in almost every facet of the game. Let's talk about the individual performances, and I think we're gonna have to talk about Dele's stats, because I'm curious, Dele Ali. Uh, but first of all, let's list all of the guys who rate above a seven. You know, the standout performers from best to the least worst of the best, but also good performers on the way. So starting with our top performer, Bout Veghorst, no surprises, right? A goal and an assist. Easily a candidate for man of the match. Then of course we have Jackson Muleka with two goals. So again, no surprises. Then Valentin Rosier, who of course does have an assist, so that adds some stats to him. Then Masuaku, also with an assist. And then, our top performer without any kind of easy stat padding, you know, without any goals or assists, and it's Jedson Fernandes with a high rating of 7.8. He was 32 of 35 with his passes at a 91% rate, created two chances, had 52 touches, um, three out of three with his dribble, two out of three with his crosses, three corners, he won three of his, of his three tackles. He had seven recoveries, eight of 12 on his ground duels. Um, he really just was a gritty, fantastic player for us. I'm not at all surprised to see his stats suggest the same. And in fact, I think uh, his passing was the one aspect of the game where I was a little concerned initially. Like his passing seemed light, much like Berkai's uh, in this last match. But in this, you know, he's shored that up very much, and especially in his last few games, he's been a standout performer, as far as I can tell. And, it's, and he, the kind of performances that 
go under the radar for a lot of folks. Because, you know, again, nothing too flashy, no goals or assists, but just did so much dirty work. I am tempted to give him man of the match. Uh, then you have, of course, Nejip Uso, who solid in the back again. Roman Seiss as well, almost individual stats. The only, no, sorry, there are three players from Sivas who rate above a seven. Diasaba was their best, of course, he scored the goal, so they gave him some puntos. Um, and, I mean, He's a late sub, so it's impressive that he managed to accrue such a high rating, given how most of these stats are just like accrued numbers, right? Then you have Sali Uchan, another solid outing for him. Then Max Alain Cadel, Mustafa Yatabare, and finally Dele Ali with a 7.3, and the last of our Guys above a seven. Let's talk about his stats a little bit because I think folks will be curious. He played 78 minutes, so despite coming out, he's still ranked or rated quite highly. 30 out of 37 passes at an 81% rate. He created two chances. He had 46 touches, which is pretty solid considering he came out. Um, two out of three on his dribbles, three out of four accurate long balls. He was offside once, he made four recoveries. He won six out of 10 duels on the ground, which is interesting. He was fouled four times as well. So um, they did everything they could to stop him. So pretty decent stats for the kid, uh, all around the kid. I mean, he's 26, but um, a great first outing, especially given that he had very little experience with this team, with this unit that was, I think, fairly evident. You know, he didn't quite know how his guys were going to play around him. Um, but he did the best with it nonetheless. You know, he gave a solid outing in a solid all-around match with this team in general. And so now, who gets man of the match? I think you could easily make the argument that Vout Weghorst or Jackson Muleka or even Valentin Rosier could. Uh, but I think I'm giving it to Jedson Fernandez because I really feel like the dirty work that he did made this match so easy for us. There were so many times where like they could have launched a counterattack and he was just there, whether already there, sort of poised to, to cut out their attack, or coming back with a ton of energy, you know, despite being played a full 90 yet again. Uh, and you know, I mean, the kid just. He's been stellar. I, I can't rave enough about Jason Fernandez early on in the season. Really, the kind of the guy that, that the glue, you know, for the for the team, keeping the whole thing together. Uh, but so yeah, that's it. That's all I'm gonna do for stats. I think I did, went pretty in depth for you folks. Uh, finally, we gotta talk standings a little bit, right? Because. That's where we are at this point. We finally reached that stage of the season where the standings are starting to matter. Four games in. I mean, not exactly, right? I think typically it's like the five-game mark when you start to maybe pay attention. And not even then. But still, we're in first place. And that's why I think it's worth mentioning. And again, like, it doesn't hurt to be in first place this early. Obviously, it doesn't mean we're going to end in first place. There's a lot of season left, but... Uh, it's, it speaks well that you know we've put together such a good team that's come together so well on the pitch early that you know that at least that answers some questions. Now the question is, can we maintain it? Can guys stay healthy? Right? These are questions that every good team has to ask. Um, but 
Ben Hathaway answered positively, right? So we'll see. But, um, you know, knock on wood, hopefully we're uh, going to keep it together. But so sure enough, Besiktas, first place, 10 points, a plus six goal differential, three wins and one draw. Almost an ideal out outing. I mean, that Alanya match really stings, given this, but whatever. Then you have Gaziantep, surprisingly. Um, also 10 points, plus five goal differential. So we have the advantage there. Hopefully we can beat them and gain a further one. Knock on wood again. Uh, in third place, Adana Demirspor, despite imploding and fighting quite a bit. But uh, yeah, three wins and one loss. Nine points for them. And they're solely in third place. In fourth place, Konya. Two wins and two draws. Despite, again, like a really rough outing, but beating Fener really sort of galvanized this beginning of the season for them and, and made it salvageable, no doubt. Um, eight points, clear fourth place. Um, five goals, zero goals allowed by Konyaspor. Which, nobody could argue that that's not impressive. Um, then you have a bunch of teams with seven points. Between fifth and eighth, you have Fener, Basakshahir, Galatasaray, and Trabzonspor. So a loaded group with seven points. Uh, all of them have... Well, no, I take it back. Basakshahir actually has a game in hand. So they could be level on points with us. When all things are said and done. That's right, they have the bye week this week. But so Fener, Galatasaray, and Trabzon each have two wins, one draw, and one loss. Bashakshi here has two, draw, two wins and one draw. No losses. They all have seven points. Fener with a plus seven goal differential. Bashakshi here with a plus six. Galatasaray with a plus one. And Trabzon with a zero goal differential. They've really struggled early on. And they struggled late in last season as well. So maybe it's not a giant shock to anyone, but I think they'll, they'll have hoped for a better start, no doubt. Uh, and that rounds out like the big teams and everything. Right beyond that, you have Kaiseri with six points in ninth place. Antalya also in ninth place with six points. A little disappointing for them, perhaps. Certainly losing five to two against Gaziantep will come in as a disappointment for them. Uh, I guess the only thing I'll mention otherwise is the relegation zone, where Hatay is at the bottom. Have, uh, still a game in hand, having only played three matches thus far. But they're 0-0-3, having only scored one goal this season, having allowed four, zero points. Ankara Guju has one point, one draw and two losses. They also have a game in hand. Umranie does not have that game in hand, and they also only have one point. So one draw and three losses for them. And then finally in 16th place in that last relegation spot, because remember four teams are going down this year. Sivas. With two draws and two losses, uh, that's definitely gonna sting, especially given how poor they've been, um, you know, in Europe and everything, going out against Malmo. Uh, this is really just not a good Sivas team so far. Uh, like I said, plenty of season yet to sort of pull themselves out of it. Kasim Pasha got an important win for themselves. They had been un. I was undefeated. What's the opposite of undefeated? Unvictorious? Uh, they were 0-0-3 going into it with zero goals scored and 11 allowed. But they win 
one to nil this week against Hatay. So Hatay is really in the depths. So they've sort of pried themselves out of the relegation zone, as has Istanbul Sport, who finally got that win despite playing well in all their matches. So they deserve to have climbed out of there. Fatih Karagumbek as well got their first win. So yeah, you know, an interesting Super League as always, but the, the, obviously the highlight for us is that Besiktas is on top in first place. And that's where we'll leave this thing. Um, obviously, in our upcoming match... Oh, you know what? One one thing of note, I forgot to mention our head-to-head, -head, but so last season we beat Sivas twice. So we're, you know, holding steady in that regard. This isn't anything to get too excited about. We beat them 2-1 to one at home, and then we beat them 2-3 to three on the road. 3-2, highlight ourselves first. Um, but so yeah, it's important that we won, but it's also worth noting that we, we only beat them by one goal in both matches last season. So this year, the two-goal win, that's a good sign, I guess. Uh, but yeah, anyway, Besiktas in first place after four weeks. Fantastic start of the season. Valeria Ismail's team really coming together, and the haters are going to have to find something else to hate pretty soon. Rough second halves, but you know we're starting to play longer, better for longer, right? Creeping into 60, 70 minutes, and he's making better subs as far as timing, and he's got more options now, so I think he's showing that with options, he'll make the right decisions, or I guess with better options, anyway. Um, cross our fingers that we bring in Koray Gunter or Khan Ayhan, I've said from the beginning, we kind of need that. Turkish central defender to, to really round out this transfer window. But if we do get that quality Turkish central defender, this will go down as a fantastic, fantastic summer transfer window. Anyway, with that said, I'm out. Follow us on Twitter at Eagles underscore podcast or follow us on Instagram, Black Eagles Podcast One Word. Follow my, uh, yeah, follow myself at sir underscore rights underscore a lot. Um, and yeah, stay tuned, of course. Next episode will come in after, I mean, granted, let's make a huge transfer and we need to do another surprise, um, you know, transfer episode. Don't hold your breath. But otherwise, our next match will be Sunday, September 4th, visiting Ankara Guju, 245 again. Uh, of course, check your local listings and maybe that's, you know, things can change rather quickly. Uh, anyway, that's all there is to say, except... Let's go, Besiktas! Peace out, everybody. The siren letting you all know that this is real fun.
Besiktas International hopes you enjoyed this program.